Ashiana. Medical disclaimer. The advice that I'm sharing is based on my years of experience as a licensed massage therapist. The advice and information given are intended for educational and informational purposes only. While the advice and information provided may be useful to those with and without specific health conditions, the information provided is not intended to be a substitute for medical treatment. Please consult your medical care provider before acting on any information presented here. Thank you. Hi. <laughs> it's me. Remember me? It's, uh, hey, hey guys, it's me, Shiana. Remember? Remember the host of the show? My bad for being gone for so long. My bad, my bad, my bad. It won't happen again. My bad. Okay. All right. Now, I thought about just like pretending, you know, like just talking like nothing had happened at all. But I was like, I can't just like not address the elephant in the room. So apologies for being gone for so long. Um, I'm back now, though. And um, I've been sitting on a lot of good content. So have no fear. I'm rolling out all the good shit. And, um, I wish I could like, you know, I wish I had like a really, really good excuse, but honestly, the reason I haven't been here lately is because, um, this is still very new to me. Like, it's still very, very new. The edits, the artwork, the content, the interviews, the, like all of it, all of it's new. Um, you know, I've, I've listened to people interview, I've seen people do artwork things, but they're still not me. You know what I mean? So all of this has to come from a place of love. This has to come from, you know, a place of of heartfelt emotion when I'm into it. And if I'm not into it, I can't do it. That's the way my life is set up. And um, I've had my attention focused on the things that are easy. You know, the things that I can do with my eyes closed. I can massage with my eyes closed. I mean, anybody could massage with their eyes closed, really. Uh, I can do Reiki with my eyes closed. I can do Reiki without the person being here. You know what I mean? So like those things are easy. Those things I've been focusing all my attention on and podcasting is still challenging. And I know some people are going to be like, well, just, you know, outsource. You can, you can pay somebody to, to do all of the edits and the, yeah, I could, but I, but no, I can't, you know, like I can send it off and say, this is what I want you to do. A, B, and C. But I still have to sit there and say, this is, what I, <laughs> this is what I want you to do. So I might as well do the damn thing myself. And then I still have to wait to see if, you know, they did it right. And then they might, you see where my dilemma lies there. So I'm here. I'm into it. Like I said, lots of content that I'm, I'm sitting on. So just to give you some things to look forward to. Today's guest, um, Nate, he's got an incredible story to share, so I hope you'll enjoy that. Uh, the next few episodes coming up, I've got somebody sharing, uh, not somebody, a black man sharing uh, his story on being a black hot yoga instructor, uh, and he used to be a bouncer, so that's an interesting story. Um, you'll learn about spiritual baths in the near future, if you're into that, or you know, maybe you're creeped out by it and you just don't, you don't have enough information on it. So Zakia will be sharing her story on her journey with spiritual baths and her business. Um, coming up in February, I have an event, Who You Call in Holistic and Experience. The first one went really, really well. We had that in December. Um, for the first experience, we had Reiki, dimensional dowsing, and um, a collective reading for the winter solstice. This next Who You Call in Holistic experience will be 
dousing. Uh, no, I lied. Not dousing. <laughs> Reiki and um, yoga. So it's going to be on Valentine's Day. You know, the pretend holiday. And um, it's going to be in the evening. But Valentine's Day is actually on a Sunday this year. And I was like, that would be a good self-care Sunday situation. So look out for information on that in case you're interested. Um, the last time we did this, we did the Reiki first. And then everybody was kind of, you know, like a puddle afterwards. So uh, we're going to start this next one with the yoga first. And then have the Reiki so that people can can do their yoga thing and then be in a place to just relax and unwind right after that. So look out for that information. I'm excited about it because, you know, this is just the beginning of the experiences. Um, I do plan to have other practitioners on in the future, um, you know, so everybody can get exposure to different healing modalities that are available out there that you might not be familiar with. And that's what this podcast is about, just bringing awareness to other healing techniques and alternative therapies. And, um, you know, if I can do live versions too of, of this information, then that's, that's what I'm here to do. So look out for that stuff. I hope you are able to participate in it. Um, you can also check out shiana.com for information on things that I have going on. Cause, cause apparently I have a lot going on currently. <laughs> I'll be honest. Um, and well, okay. It doesn't seem like a lot going on. I'm, it's all for the same end goal here. You know, they're all just maps. I'm doing work to figure things out and help other people figure things out and their healing and their, and their wellness journeys. And, um, you know, so human design has now become a part of that. If you have been listening, um, you'll remember that I had a human design coach on here a few months back, Ashley. And, um, Human design is, is very, very interesting. If you are following me, I have the link in my link tree to discover your design, or you can go on mybodygraph.com and look into it. Um, it's very detailed, I'll be honest. So if you go into some weird, like, bottomless pit in there, it's easy to do that, by the way. Um, but on mybodygraph.com, the website information is very vague um, and asks for you to pay for all kinds of things. So don't do that. Um, I can help you know, while, while I'm not charging for it yet, but I can help you navigate some of the information. And there's plenty of information online on your um, human design type and strategy and authority and stuff like that. It's again, though, it's a bottomless pit. So once you start, um, you just make sure you have some time for it. I'm also currently taking an astrology class. So in the near future, I can understand natal charts a little more. And I've, I've seen how some of the different things in people's charts, which surprised me, but does it really surprise me? Probably not. Um, Based on your rising sign, there's even different areas of focus in your health that, um, that are affected. So just really interesting information. But again, they're, uh, they're just all maps. So I'm just getting more maps in my, in my toolbox to, um, to help you guys out. I mean, obviously, I'm helping myself out too. But to help everyone else out here to that's navigating their wellness journeys that's navigating their uh, their happiness journeys too and those two they go hand in hand um if you're not healthy you're not happy <laughs> bottom line so look out for that information again shiana.com just because there it's there's a lot there's a lot of movement right now is the easiest way to put it so 
that's where you can keep up with the movement. Um, if there's classes listed, they'll be on that website. Merchandise is on that website. And um, yeah, uh, I'll probably have other services offered on there in the near future. I still have my Reiki available on there um, if you want to schedule distance Reiki. So all of that information is available there. Um, anyway, I've done enough babbling, even though I know you've missed my voice. Um, without further ado, let's go ahead and get into this interview with my guest, Nate Howard. I hope you enjoy. All righty. Welcome to Who You Call in Holistic. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm here with Nate Howard of Movement B, located mm-hmm. in San Diego. Located in San Diego. <clears throat> and um, one of the things that I've said to people is that I'm going to have guests that have had their lives changed and guests changing lives. And as I mentioned to you, you are one of those people that's out there changing lives. Tell us a little bit about Movement B. Yeah, so Movement B is all about helping youth tell their story <clears throat> through creative writing and poetry. Um, and, and it really stemmed from this idea of that um, someone else was telling our story. And we would react asking them to change it as if they were the author of our story. Um, Who's our thought, story? Our story is a story of when I look at, I'm worried this correctly because I I think linguistics is is interesting because I think we're fighting words a lot of the time. Um, So, you know, the background story is I was a student at USC um, and while I was a student at USC, you know, I struggled to figure out my identity as an African-American male, a young black male. Like, what does that mean? You know? And, you know, I was part of the center for black culture, student affairs at USC actually really connected a lot of work in the black community and really pushing leadership. Um, and what was South Los Angeles, right. Which is what some would call South central, right. And centered at this university that's prestigious. Right. Um, and so the microaggressions of, do you play football? Um, how did you get here? Right. Um, and all of these little things while living in this community right outside in this disconnect, seeing the gentrification happening, seeing them um, move up from the community out to place college students and feeling privilege of being part of the university as a college student, but still feeling discriminated against because they couldn't tell if I went to campus, went to the school or not. Um, and so Just I deal on your skin color. Based on my skin color. So, I mean, I dealt with microaggressions that were, hey, can I see your ID? Well, why didn't you ask him for his ID? Right? Like, you know, and, and later, you know, they, they started putting up gates around the university, but it was supposed to be a community campus. So interesting things when I talk about <laughs> our story, um, I'm speaking to my blackness, but understanding what that means, because my blackness is always in in comparison to what the quintessential is, is, is whiteness, right? And so I don't want to put it in, in that sense. So part of what I guess I'm sharing is that here I am trying to prove to them that the way that they're stereotyping me or labeling me is not true, right? Hey, please look at me as this young, educated black man. Like, don't look at me as that, you know, thug. I'm not that, but I am who I am. And I don't have to explain to you my identity. Right. Right. And so that is the power of tell your story before they do, which is our model, but questioning who is they, 
right? And so um, that's the base of Movement B. Um, the story is that those 79 LAPD officers showed up to my house in riot gear, um, but told the house across the street, who are friends of mine, but mainly white party goers, to stay in the house and be safe. I was handcuffed. Sorry, how many? A- how many officers? Seventy-nine. Okay, just, yeah. just making yeah. sure I heard that correctly. You heard that right, May Fourth. Did you have like you know bombs and and yeah, guns yeah. and? You would think. You would. You would think. Okay, lots yeah. of drugs. Yeah, you would think. You would well, think. and then a lot of that's legal over there anyway. So either way. Yeah. Yeah, you would think, right? And so, helicopters, everything. I, it was. It was a. You had helicopters. Of- Yes. You would think I threw Project X. I mean, it was a solid party. You know, don't get me wrong. But, you know, this was, there was no issue in regards to our party and the number of students and the party across the street, um, which which is students of color, mostly black students and white students. Right. And I think anybody who probably understands, like some of these uh, PWIs, predominantly white institutions, that um, most of the parties happen on a fraternity role. Right. And it's mostly those college students. But the small minority of black students um, have a smaller Greek role and don't actually have enough members to have their own house uh, to host parties. So even though I wasn't necessarily Greek, I was connected to the community in my house was known to have parties for, you know, black students. Apparently really good ones. Yeah. You know, some good ones. Uh, But, you know, the interesting thing is we had security. The party was registered with the university to let them know that this is an official event, right? You got um, all the I's and crossed all the T's. All of that, right? So they knew in understanding that the party across the street, they didn't have any of that. Not security. The party wasn't registered, right? They were just, and so they even spoke up of saying, hey, we do feel like this is racial discrimination. That's um, had a big town hall um, the next day. Um, we ended up throwing a protest um, in front of our school uh, mascot. Is that when you ended up on the car? Sorry? Is that when you ended up on the hood of the car? Uh, the hood of what car? Was that your picture on the LA? No. Uh, it was on the LA Times. Okay. That yeah. Was that when you ended up on the hood of the car? Or not hood, on the car? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's right. So, and part of that is okay, now we're trying to push, like, where does this movement go? And I realized the news was talking about it. Um, I was like, yes. You know, I, I think just with anything that we kind of see in, in current news, I'm like, yes, I'm excited. I'm hashtagging. You know, we were pushing a movement, and then we had to graduate, right? And things slowly started to die down. People were trying to figure out what they're doing after graduation. And, you know, this was days, you know, uh, before my final, right? And so... Uh, long story short, I felt like we got media news coverage, but I, I felt like it, that wasn't really an accomplishment, right? Like, great, you know, what next? Like, they can't get away with this. Right. So I realized the issue that I was dealing with um, was emotional uh, and a lot of just trauma of just built up anger and frustration of saying, wow, I thought I did everything right. I'm a black man who studied hard, went to school, um, graduated, first generation college student. Congratulations. Um, no, thank you. And thinking that my academics, being a scholar, would beat racism, right? 
but it didn't matter if I had a BA, an MA, a PhD, right? Still black. Uh, that was the light bulb, right? And so much of my thinking and advocacy was like, all right, if us, if we just get an education and we do this and that, then we can, it's done. We live in this, you know, and that was that wake up call. So I came back to my hometown of San Diego. I went to my old high school. Um, I got a job there just as an academic coach and tutor. Um, and then we were able to start after school programs and just inspired by what happened. I wanted to start a poetry club. Um, now, did you write in college? Was that your thing? Yeah, I've been writing since elementary. I've always okay. been into poetry. Um, Langston Hughes was my first, you know, got connected there. And so I started looking at black poets. My um, Angelou just... Uh, array of of that and I was like wow I'm, I'm a poet and even in high school I got into spoken word and okay. uh, got introduced there so <clears throat> I was doing poetry all through college I was in a band I was getting connected to a different music artist um, and I thought that was my plan after school you know to do that um, but I came back to San Diego and then inspired other kids to kind of tell their story through poetry and uh, it started off as a club with like 10 students who, you know, uh, that were poets. And then it grew to 20, 30, 40 students coming voluntarily after school. It's like, hey, you don't have to be here. You know, school, school is over. Right. No, that's good, though. But you realize they didn't, where would they go home? They had bad home lives. They didn't want to go home. Um, they were outsiders. Um, you know, they were just different things. And even though a lot of them weren't necessarily poets, they knew it was a safe space. And uh, that's what Movement B became. That was a base. A safe space for everybody. Um, so when you have them write currently, um, do you just let them freehand it or do you give them writing prompts or how do you help them tell their story? You know, uh, we have writing prompts. Um, we have writing frameworks. Um, and then uh, then we have just opportunities to free write. Um, and now it's kind of, we work with all different types of grades um, different types of youth. So some need a little more help. Um, when we first begin our workshops, all of our programs start off with our I Am Poem framework to introduce students to poetry just in general. Mm -hmm. uh, and then as the program goes on, we use less of the framework and, and encourage students to just be, right? Mm -hmm. Which is the base of it, right? And so then they begin to free write on these different topics. How has 2020 the pandemic and stuff, especially over there, because things have actually locked down. How has that affected your your work? Yeah, um, we've just uh, we've just uh, I guess I would say we we were we were able to adapt better than other organizations. Um, we launched uh, our app in 2016, um, and I realized at that time we were working on a lot of different programs. And I wanted to connect the poems of all of the students we were working with together. Um, so we kind of created a platform at movementb.org where students can just freely write their poem, whether we were in their school or not. Um, and so fast forward 2020, when the pandemic happened, we actually decided to invest more in our technology um, and say, hey, well, this is going to be here, right? Uh, right. The system we've been I've been looking at the education system kids have laptops it's a hybrid model um, so we actually been been in demand um, because we have the ability to kind of connect with students like other organizations can yeah. and does your organization how old is your oldest student in your organization 
Um, we we serve youth up to about twenty four. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, what's so interesting is like one of our lead instructors, he's twenty three, um, and so it's, it's really youth supporting youth in a mm-hmm. sense. But he my first student and I had him in the program at 15 years old. Um, at our, so you're our like program. big brother to him now, for, obviously. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's what's so cool. And then they become big brothers to, you know, the other young men and, you know, and, and, and things like that. So it, it really is like that. What do you see happening next for movement B? Um, we're really doing more in the technology. Our focus is social emotional learning. And uh, really a buzzword in a lot of schools across the country, um, but dealing with responsible decision-making or self-efficacy or all of these kind of soft skills, I guess, that they don't teach in the regular school day, right? Mm-hmm. But of course, it's the most important thing for job success, you know, right. critical thinking, right? Um, and so that's, that's our move. We've kind of connected with some people in the arts and, you know, trying to show how the arts and SEL can come together, dance, music, theater, you know, um, and uh, not that, hey, this is for all students, right? Like this, you keep the arts in the schools. This is not fluff. Um, so our work right now is really, you know, getting into the, I guess, not so fun part in certain ways, but you know, the data, the research, um, but it's been, it's been more fun for me now, you know, Mm -hmm. it wasn't before, but I know that it's needed to show the results. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's our plan now to say, Hey, this is, this works and, you know, and being able to prove that. So is poetry like your typical outlet? Like, is that your therapy or do you have other forms of therapy that you use to, to work on yourself or to express yourself? Yeah, no, there's other forms for sure. But, you know, we've been such an advocate for poetry. Uh, I mean, it's, you know, poetry is one of those things, the way we're trying to introduce it is, you know, typically, you know, kids go through, you know, April's National Poetry Month, or they may have a poetry unit in English, and, you know, they may which is great. And, you know, they may learn similes and metaphors and haiku and different things, poetic structure, but it's so much deeper than that. Right. And so that's how we're trying to introduce it. It's like, it's a language. It's a, it's a form of being vulnerable and being open. And this is your expression. Um, so, you know, we've seen amazing results from students um, by allowing them to express themselves in a poem. Right. Um, and you know what I'm saying? Right. Instead of just, you know, this is not an argumentative essay. You're not, there's no thesis. You don't have, there's no structure. I don't right. care if it's wrong. I don't care if this doesn't even make sense, you know? So that's the therapy, right? That is the freedom, mm-hmm. right? In a, in a school system, in a world where you're forced to be politically correct or say things a certain way or have a certain structure to certain things. The therapy is just allowing yourself to be free and write in that form of whatever that expression is. Right. And, um, and then allowing students to then share that. Right. And then Um, what about you personally? Like, does, does it get old? Like, do you just say, you know, I'm just, I don't want to write like for you on your own time, your own therapy. You yeah. just say like, mm, I'm, I'm kind of over 
writing today? I'm over thinking about words. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, I do, you know, I do get tired. I, I guess I do have writer's block, but I, I kind of write when it, um, when I get sparks of interest, you know, things that kind of just inspire me, like I'll be in the shower and I'll think of something, you know, or I'll be washing dishes. It, it could be anything. I can be on a run walking and, you know, things will come to me and I'll just write them down in my notepad. So I'm always writing um, in that sense. Um, and when you say notepad, mm-hmm. do you, are you one of those, I have to physically write it or are you a phone uh, notepadder? Are there rules um, for that for you? I'm both. I, okay. I am. A, I, I write in my notes when, you know, that's my, my notes in my iPhone when I have it. But when I'm trying to, you know, my affirmations in the morning and I'm really kind of, you know, I'm trying to put pen to paper to really kind of manifest something. I'm, I'm writing that on paper. Because mm-hmm. I know there's like not really rules, but I feel like that's a rule. So yeah. when, like when I have that talk with friends and, you know, talk about manifesting things, I'm like, don't put it in your notepad and your phone. Like, mm-hmm. write that down. You got to write it down. Yeah. Even That's if it's outcome. a scratch piece of paper. Yeah. Yeah. That's that feeling. Yeah. No, exactly. Um, yeah. And what's, what's your medicine? Um, man, my medicine really is, uh, as you see my guys justice and t man like i get so excited that um i can help them you know (laughs) you know that um and then that they can help the kids that they're working with and i can help so many of the like i i I think people you know it's so funny i think people envy the idea that i work with kids you know it's it when when i really think about some of my friends and people you may have this job and you may do this or whatever um, and I may be biased, right? But I think well, it definitely takes a special person to be able to work with kids. Like, <laughs> let's be yeah, honest so here. Being the envy in myself, because yeah, it's it is, but it, it but there's this this you know just like today, right? There's nothing mundane, right? There's nothing. Every day is something different. We don't know what may happen, what the kids may be feeling, what what we may need to motivate, but that's what we're doing. We're motivating every day. You feel me? We're inspiring every day. So that's the medicine, you know, is empowerment itself by uh, helping others heal, you know? So I love it. I love to see it. And I love what you're doing, especially like, obviously, especially as a black man. Yeah. Thank you. Cause you know, we just, we need more of that, that healing the community. Yeah, yeah. Because it it expands and it helps heal others. Yeah, yeah. And I think that teaching them to express themselves for sure. Yeah. You know, we're we've been told for so long not to speak on things. Yeah. So yeah. thank you for that work. Yeah, no, no, thank you. Thank you. No, I mean it's huge and it's it's one of those things of it's important because it's it, I see it in this sense, right? We've become so desensitized. You can see a black man laying on the street, murdered, and people have just turned it into, you know, it's commercialized. I still never watched that video, by the way. That couldn't. Yeah, same. You know, running with a mod, like, oh, watch this. I'm, I'm not going to watch that, right? It's, you're trying to show me. And, that, and, and that's what's interesting because people don't talk about that part, right? The psychological. And... 
I really believe, right, that, um, you know, there is a psychological, there's a psychological warfare in the news media. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. That's and, what you're saying, like this, like 2020, it's spiritual warfare. Like, yep. and that's why I tell people, like, don't watch the news so much. And yep. yes, you're going to gain something, but there's so much, there's so many distractions on there. Like whether it's decent news to be hearing, but even the, the, I don't want to say the white noise, but the, the fillers, the fillers yep. on there are still not great to see. Yep. We're here. Yep. No, I mean, it's, and, and that's why I think I appreciate what's, what's happening right now in Clubhouse. I, I hope we continue to kind of control the narrative, you know. Which we met on, by the way, for yeah, yeah. listeners. <laughs> We met through Clubhouse. Yeah, no, and that's what was so refreshing because as we're having this connection, it's giving you more ideas. Yeah, I mean, I can go on a tangent, but it's it's that idea of like, you know, I challenge allies, I challenge people who kind of try to, you know, be white saviors, right? Mm-hmm. I challenge a lot of that because it's. It becomes problematic at a point, right? It's almost in, um, again, someone trying to tell a story to shift a narrative. Mm. And again, those are the little things that people don't realize or maybe do, but don't know how to fully express because it gets mixed up when that altruism, oh, I'm trying to help. I'm trying to help black people. I'm trying, right? And so that's why I appreciate Clubhouse. That's why I appreciate the work that we're doing, me as a, a black owner, right? Like as a brave entrepreneur, that's what B stands for is to own. Like as a black man, I don't have to give my story away. I don't have a white man I have to go look to and work for, right? I think that's important. And that's the message I want to share. Um, and so it's your story. You have the power to hold on to it. And uh, so, yeah, that that's where we're at. And, and I'm hoping that we continue to realize that it's our story. We can hold on to it. Um, and that we control this narrative and we can hold the platforms and the media. And that's why I'm into technology. We own our platform, right? Um, you have to come to us. We access this. We own these stories, right? And even as we're small, that's fine. We don't need to sell out to uh, for anybody to appropriate us, right? We can continue to be and, and, and we can grow uh, at our pace. Amen. A word. That was a whole word. Come on, now. thank you. It was a whole word. I've had I had another guest before, and I was like, I didn't know I was going to church today. Um, so this was at clearly another church day. Mm-hmm. No, thank you, thank, thank you. Oh, that's appreciated. But yeah, I always like this is where I get my church sometimes because I like to hear these stories. Everybody's mm-hmm. got a story to share, so mm-hmm. tell your story before they do. Before they do. I love it. All right. Where can uh where can people find you with questions? Um, you can find me at my personal website at natehowardspeaks.com. Um, and then everything movement be related at movementbu.com. Okay. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now you know typically I would have a shit Shiana says for this, but Nate's message was was literally shit Shiana says. <laughs> Tell your story before they do. Um, and to to add on to that. You know, that's why I really push the importance of meditating 
of sitting with yourself, with sitting with your thoughts, because you have to learn who you are in order to tell your story. And until you learn who you are, you're not going to be comfortable sharing your story, right? And if you don't know who you are, people can use that to manipulate you and create a story for you. So with that being said, you know, this is this is where I like to end things and remind you guys to meditate, but you knew that part already. Um, thank you again for joining me and I can't wait for these next, these next months ahead. Um, 2020 was not my worst year and 2021, like I'm very excited about it because this is, this is just the beginning of a lot of good things. So, um, I'm glad that you guys are here joining me and I'm obviously bringing you along for the ride. So I do hope to share all the goodness that I learned with you guys so that you can benefit from it too. Um, but yeah, I will catch you guys next time. Drink all the water, (laughs) meditate, 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 and, uh, I'll catch you next time. Bye.